mentioning some of the blessed virtues of the glorious daily deed of wudu and also the miswak and the last thing i mentioned was our beloved messenger sallallahu alaihi wasallam he was graciously informed by the almighty that he no longer needs to do a fresh wudu for every salah but he must use the miswak in his wudu and then i highlighted that the miswak dost replaced the wajib wudu indicating the virtue of this glorious deed so it would not dost come as any surprise to learn that our beloved messenger sallallahu alaihi wasallam his love for the glorious deed of both wudu and the miswak can be gauged from the following hadith In Imam Ahmad in his Musnad number 7513 with a sahih chain of transmission Sayyidina Abu Hurairah radiyallahu he relates that Abu Dhabi messenger said sallallahu alaihi wasallam but for the fact that I loathe to impose a burden on my people I would have instructed them to perform a wudu before every salah or with every wudu to clean their teeth with miswak so in this sahih hadith in imam ahmad's musnad it was the compassion of the prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam he didn't want to burden us because if it wasn't for that i would have ordained for them that you do a fresh wudu for every salah so what does that highlight it highlights how much he loved that deed or he said the other option to use the miswak with every wudu in other words you either perform a fresh wudu for every salat or if you haven't got the you know strength to do this then at the very least to perform miswak to use miswak with every wudu so note he combined both his love for the wudu and the miswak but not out of compassion he said i don't want to burden my ummah so again note this is an excellent thing to do that you do a fresh wudu for every salah and you use the miswak i in every wudu indeed every act within the wudu is truly blessed for instance sayyidina hudayfa radiyallahu he relates that our beloved messenger said sallallahu alaihi wasallam penetrate between the toes and the fire will not penetrate between them subhanallah penetrate between the toes and the fire will not penetrate between them recorded by imam qurtubi in his tafsir volume 6 page 64 of the new english translation so look how beautiful you use your little you know the little finger on your left hand to wipe between the toes i during wudu even that look how graphic the prophet made it sallallahu alaihi wasallam if you do that the fire will not have any access to that area within your feet so think about that what could be a more insignificant action in in your wudu than to wipe between your toes with your left little finger even that protects you from the fire the prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam said highlighting 
that everything within wudu is blessed. And specifically with regards to the virtues of washing one's feet. Abu Huraira radiallahu relates that our beloved messenger said, sallallahu alayhi wa there is no Muslim who performs wudu and washes his whole feet, but then every wrong action which he walked towards using them will fall away with the very dripping of the water. Subhanallah. Recorded in Tabarani in his Ausat Bazar, Imam Tahawi in his Sharh Ma'ani Al Athar, number 195, created Hassan, Al Haytami in Majma Al Zawaid, 1 226, stated Hassan. So look how interesting. You wash your feet, and it must be obviously including the ankles, up to and including the ankles between the toes. The Prophet said, Every sin that you walk towards falls from your feet. With the dripping of the water. Subhanallah, think about that. How quickly does the water fall off your feet? Sometimes you just wash your feet and by the time you've offered the two rakats, your feet are dry. That's how quickly the sins that you committed walking towards are taken out when you wash your feet. So note again, the Prophet's highlighting that everything in wudu is priceless. And how sad that people complain about the feet, you know it's because it wouldn't be too bad if I washed every other body part, but I find it awkward to wash the feet. Mm-hmm. And the response to that is, do you think Allah has made your deen difficult? Do you think he wants you to do gymnastics, mm-hmm. washing your feet? There's got to be a wisdom. And the wisdom here is mentioned. Every sin you commit walking with your feet is taken away. And you don't want that. Yes, subhanallah. Wudu should ideally be performed at home. Why? For in a hadith kutsi the Almighty and Glorious Himself says, Subhanahu wa ta'ala, Tuba, for he who purifies himself at his dwelling and then visits me at my house. Subhanallah. Tuba, for he who purifies himself at his dwelling and then visits me at my house. Recorded by Abu Nu'im, Imam Ghazali in his Ihya, volume 1, page 326, in the chapter on the mysteries of Salat and his greatness. So there's a few things need to be clarified. Hadith Qudsi obviously means that Allah the Almighty and Glorious is speaking. Rasulullah was given the option of giving you the meaning of the divine words, unlike the Quran. Allah the Almighty and Glorious says Tuba. So Tuba in Arabic, it means in normal speech, it means glad tidings. However, in the divine language, it's actually a tree in paradise. Mm-hmm. The Prophet said there's a tree in paradise that the shade of a fast rider, uh, the, the pace of a fast rider cannot cover over a hundred years mm-hmm. distance. I just the shade. Mm-hmm. One hadith goes, that's Tuba. Mm-hmm. So here, what, did, what, what does Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala say? Tuba, meaning paradise is yours. For he who purifies himself, where? At his dwelling. And then look what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says. He doesn't say, and then comes to my house. He goes, and then he visits me at my house. Look at the interesting wording. Allah is saying that you're visiting him, subhanahu wa ta'ala. So what does that mean? So obviously we don't stop, you know, placing Allah, giving him geography. What it simply means is that you are his guest. Allah doesn't let any Tom, Dick and Harry come to his house. 
He invites, just like you wouldn't let any Tom, Dick and Harry. Imagine you walk into somebody's house, a friend of yours, and you see somebody already there, and then you ask your friend, oh, mashallah, uh, who's this? And he goes, I don't know. <laughs> you don't make any sense, right? You know, you obviously you invite a person, you know to your dwelling. And if, if you see the person honoring that you realize he must be a very dear servant, a very close friend of his. So Allah, the Almighty, grows, then you visit me. Now look how interesting. That's the etiquette. The etiquette is before you visit Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, come in a good state. Some people, you know, they come in and I don't know what state they're in. You know, they're smelling of curry. Right? And what makes it worse, they can't even smell it. That's like a you know, double one. Why? Because you're walking in everybody, you're knocking everybody else out. You can't even smell it yourself. And then when you put fans on, everybody's getting knocked out. Astaghfirullah. Right? So obviously, if you do wudu, you'll have a certain type of purity. Yes, there's no harm in doing wudu with the facilities in the masjid. But that is not the sunnah. Mm. The sunnah is to perform wudu in your dwelling. Mm. And alhamdulillah, we've got you know facilities now. In the good old days, they used to, you know, what do you call it, you know, that condole. Mm. Now we've got tabs. <laughs> you know, mashallah. In a more famous report, our beloved messenger said, Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, he who perfects his wudu in his dwelling, then goes to the masjid. He is the guest of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And it is the right of the guest to be treated honorably. Subhanallah. Recorded in Tabarani Targheeb. Shaykh Al-Bani Rahmatullah states, Hassan in Sahih Al-Targheeb, number 320. Again, you're going to do wudu at home. You do wudu in your dwelling, you come to the masjid, you're the guest. Then look what the Prophet said. It is your right as a guest to be treated honorably. Haven't guests got rights? If you know the Sharia, they have got rights. What did the Prophet say? He who believes in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala on the last day, let him honor his guest. Sayyid Bukhari and Muslim. Meaning, if you don't honor your guest, do you really believe in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala on the last Meaning, it's a sign. So that's a normal guest. Now think about that. Who gave the guest that right? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Now you're the guest of the one who's the lawmaker. Then what did the Prophet say? It is the right of the guest to be treated honorably. If Allah is telling you, you have to treat your guests honorably. Don't you think he's going to treat his own guests honorably? And that's why the masjids, you know, this is the place we should find people here. You know, one of the signs that a person has a love for the masjid is you find him there. The reason people find it difficult to locate people because they're not in the masjids. Because, brother, I'm looking for so-and-so. And then he goes, we've got more bounds now. But in the old days, you think, well, brother, your guess is as good as mine. But if he's regular in the masjid, straight away, you say, oh, you'll find him, you know, in Asr, Maghrib, Isha, Zohar. He's in the masjid. That's a sign that he's got connected. He's connected to the masjid. And Allah will treat that person honorably. A brother says to me, he goes, my iman seems to be getting a bit weak. So I told him, he goes, how's your connection to the masjid? So he thought, well, I pray when I've got time. Then I says, has it slipped in the terms of your frequency? And then he thought about it and he went, yeah, I'm not going as often as I I was there you go. That's why your mind's getting weak because you are the guest of Allah when you're in the masjid. Allah will definitely look after your iman. You're his guest. But if you notice that you're not coming to the masjid, that's a sign that Allah is abandoning you. And people even say, this is shaitan. Because I get more khushu when I pray at home. Mm. 
I've heard people say that. When I go to the masjid, he goes, I, Riyadh, people are looking at me. I, I don't feel comfortable. When I pray at home, he goes, oof. I feel like Abu Bakr. A shaitan. Shaitan's turned the tap off. <laughs> you pray at home <laughs> with the women. <laughs> and the, one of the signs of Qiyamat, women want to come to the masjid. <laughs> you know, men want to pray at home. Women want to go to... Hang on a minute, what's happening here? So that's what I can know. Everything stops you turning. With regards to those who spend on the glorious messages, Anas radiallahu said, if anyone puts on a light in the masjid, then the angels alayhi salatu wasalam and the bearers of the throne alayhi salatu wasalam seek forgiveness for him until the light remains on. Recorded by Imam Ghazali in his Ihya, volume 1, page 3 to 8, in the chapter on the mysteries of Salat and its greatness. So, this is a very interesting report. In the good old days, it was a lantern. Some, in some places of the world, they still use lanterns. I can remember that. They get a match and they have a lantern and they put it on, and everybody will make a dua. You know, it's everybody makes dua immediately. Oh, mashallah, brother. May Allah bless the brother. So, now it's just the electric, you know, obviously, press the switch. Anas said, Allah, anyone who puts a light on in the masjid, that doesn't mean you press the switch. Mm-hmm. It means that you're contributing towards it. Look what happens. The angels and the bearers of the throne, how many angels is that? <laughs> Your guess is as good as mine. They seek forgiveness for you until the light is, remains on. So imagine you put the light on and it remains on for five hours. Five hours! These blessed angels are making dua for your forgiveness. Those, those who regularly spend upon the glorious houses of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala are truly blessed indeed. You know, people say, brother, you know, look how sad the Imam the other day was saying, brothers, you know, you should contribute towards the masjid. He goes, you can use a card now, this, that. But look how. You know, what the hell's the matter with the Muslims? <laughs> Do you need the Imam to remind you to, you know, contribute towards the masjid? <laughs> the masjid is Allah Ta'ala's house. <laughs> Allah Ta'ala is asking you for a loan. <laughs> the Quran says, who will give Allah Ta'ala a gracious loan? <laughs> Giving money towards the masjid is a loan to Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala. People, you know, yeah, chucked a, chucked a couple of quid in every Jummah. <laughs> you give more to your kids for snacks? <laughs> Oh, no, 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 they, they, they rip people off. Mm. Who rip people off? Mm. They go, no, i would give money, but what it is, they, they, they build houses with it. Mm. Then you think, who builds houses with it? Mm. And he goes, well, I've heard it, I've heard it. Mm. Every excuse in the book not to give money to the masjid. Mm. Why are you so reluctant to get your sins forgiven? Mm. Imagine. How pleasing it is to look after the masjid can be gauged from the following report. The first person to bring a light into the masjid was Tamim al-Dari. This is in Ibn Majah, Hafiz Ibn Hajar Asqalani in his Al-Isaba, page 165 of the New English Translation. So let's, it's interesting. What does he mean he was the first Sahaba to bring a light into the masjid? Tamim al-Dari, he was a Christian. So obviously he was acquainted with churches. He embraced Islam quite late in the Prophet's life, well into the Medina phase. So he's not like one of the early Sahaba. 
It says he was the first to bring a light into the masjid. So this is important. What it means is, people had maybe left things, maybe lanterns, whatever. But he actually brought something in himself. You know, he'd bring it. So this is mentioned. Somebody goes, okay, mashallah, what's, what's the, why is that mentioned? Hafiz ibn Hajar Askalali, he explained in Al-Isab, Tamim al-Dari, radiyallahu, brought lamps, oil, and string during his trip to Syria. When he reached Medina al-Munawwara, it happened to be Friday. He thus instructed his servant to hang a lamp using a string. He then poured oil and water into it and attached a candle wick to it. After Maghrib, he instructed his servant to light it. When Rasulullah emerged, his face was beaming with joy. And he asked, who did this? They said, Tamim al-Dari, Ya Rasulullah. The Prophet then said, O Tamim, you have filled Islam with light. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala now illuminate your life in this world and the next. Indeed, if I now had a daughter, O Tamim, I would have certainly married her to you. He goes, hang on a minute, what? Starts off nice. Then what's, what's, the, what's happening? There you go, brother. What was the meme doing? People had lamps, but he made it, he beautified it. It was like a, you know, like a, a strong lamp. You know, so I don't know what, you know, how it worked, but it beautified the masjid. When the prophet saw it, he didn't say, Bida! Right? Ooh, now nah, like people who know it. Bida, brother! We need text for everything. What did the prophet say? When he saw the lamp, he goes, his face started shining. He thought, MashaAllah, somebody has done something to honor the masjid. Because who's done this? Because they're mean. Look at the response. You know, you, okay, he's pleased the Prophet. You're thinking the Prophet might say, MashaAllah, may Allah reward you. Did he, did he say that? What, what did he say? Mm-hmm. You have filled Islam with lie. Hang on a minute. You have filled Islam with lie? He's put a lamp in the masjid. Meaning, you set a precedent. Because now people are going to follow you. You filled Islam. Small deed, but imagine now the impact. May Allah Ta'ala now illuminate your dunya and your akhirat. The Prophet made a dua for his dunya and akhirat. Then look what he said. This is mind-blowing. If I had a daughter, I haven't. I would have married her to you. So many goes. many. He just put a lump in the masjid. There you go, brother. You haven't understood masjids. You don't, look at the words that's come out. He just put a lump in the masjid. There you go, brother. You don't understand the deal that Allah Ta'ala wants to give. He honored the masjid. He was a guest of Allah. Who would think Allah Ta'ala said to tell his beloved? Give him a few peanuts. Right? Allah Ta'ala was so pleased. He told his beloved, tell him this. I would have told you to get your daughter to him. He's pleased me that much. Imagine the meme, you know, the way I see it, he must have been blown away by thinking, Ya Rasulullah, I'll just put a lamp. Note how immensely pleased our beloved messenger was, Sallallahu with those who serve the masjids in whatever capacity. It's an honor to serve the masjid. 
Mm. Not for them and fin. You get cleaners, you get people repairing the masjid, putting things in the masjid. You, who's put, you know, you, where did that come from? These are all to honor the masjid. Mm. Allah Ta'ala chooses people for that. Mm. Similarly, think about this. And also, that obviously, it doesn't just mean that you contribute towards the light. <laughs> There's other things you can contribute towards. For example, the heating. You know, don't just say, but what's electric bill, brother? What's electric bill? What about gas? No, what about gas? What's electric bill? Obviously, you know, whatever you do towards the masjid. One of the scholars said, imagine you contribute towards the heating. First of all, when people walk into a warm masjid in winter, what's the first thing on their lips? They go, ah, oh, mashallah, alhamdulillah. Who is that going towards really that dua from the heart? The one who's paid towards the masjid. You go to some masjid, it's like, it's like New, uh, North Pole. What's happened here? Oh, he is gone. Right? Oh, the aliens, you put coat on your plane, I don't think, you know what's happening here? And they want a million pounds for a millionaire. Similarly, our beloved messenger said, said, anyone who checks his sandals, his socks before entering the masjid, the angels Wasallam say with pleasure, you purified yourself. Now for you, paradise has purified itself. Entered in peace. <laughs> Subhanallah. This is in Deilani, in his Musnad al-Firdaus, Ibn Asakir, in his Tariq Dimishq. So think about that. You haven't even entered the masjid. All you do is you, you, you get to the entrance and you just check your shoes. I don't want to bring any dirt into masjid. You see people do that. They'll come out and they'll start hitting their shoes, getting some mud off it. And then they walk in, they put it on the rack. That makes you entitled to a dua of the angels. Why? Because you honor the masjid. Some people, you know, as you walk in and you see mud on the rack, right? You see sweaty shoes over it. And then you think, where shall I put my shoes? This is a lame mess. And then he puts it on and it muds all over the place. You think, brother, look, you know, clean your shoes, in it. Oh, brother, I didn't bring it into masjid. If you honor the masjid, Allah honors you. You purified yourself. Now paradise has purified itself for you. Enter in peace. Paradise is given to you. Subhanallah, how pleased was our beloved messenger and the noble angels over these small deeds. They're not small deeds. Nothing in the masjid is small. Remember that. Use that as a qaida. There is no sin against the neighbor that's small. You throw some trash, it's a major sin. Similarly, there is no good deed that's small in the masjid. You pick something up, put it in your pocket, that's a big thing. But what's that? You find out in their judgment. Somebody buys a Hoover, imagine it, was he, was he accumulated? Think about it, you know, now the sadness, they bring them 1965 Hoover, they're minute, what's this? Can't even get a bike for it. He <laughs> goes, he goes, oh, no bikes for that. He goes, why you brought this bloody Hoover in for? He goes, oh, because it's, you know, it's reliable and that. It's 50 years old. Stafrullah. <laughs> Should call it Lala, not Hoover, Lala. But why should we find this strange? Because our beloved Messenger said, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala honors the one who simply looks at his house. Subhanallah. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala honors the one who simply looks at his house. This is in Tabarani in his Kabir number 10,324. So there's an ellipsis here. It doesn't mean you just look at it. It means you look at it with love. Why? Because, you know, Everybody looks at the masjid. Manafiq look at it, they're going to get reward. <laughs> it means you look at it and you love the masjid. You think, you know, there's a house of Allah. Just looking at it, the Prophet said, Allah will honor you. You know, even entered it. I haven't contributed anything towards it. I'm just looking at it. 
He said, MashaAllah, what a beautiful masjid. Allah Ta'ala will honor you. Those, what then of the one who purifies and maintains them, your fruit cake? If you just look at it, Allah Ta'ala is honoring. Yes, somebody goes, he's paying towards, you know, this and that. Is it? What's he going to get? Oh, he must be getting some... So, Allah. And you notice the people who do that, Allah Ta'ala seems to keep, you know, he looks after them. There's always the pegs in the mercy, the noise. In fact, there's a hadith. The hadith mentions in Imam Ahmad's Muslim that the angels fulfill the needs of the pegs. And I've heard people mention it. I don't know if... They say that, for instance, that you might get a flat tire. Because you're a regular in the masjid, the angels fix your tire. You're none the wiser. So you go back into your car, you drive off. You don't realize the angels have actually fixed your tire. Right? Allah Ta'ala is basically looking after you. Using the angels. Allah, it's interesting. Why? Because you might have had that on the given to you by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Half his Munawi, he said in Faydul Qadir 2-552, Masjids are indeed magnets of divine mercy. Masjids are indeed magnets of divine mercy. Now think about that. What do magnets attract? Metal. Whatever, you know. If somebody goes, I've got a special magnet. What does your magnet attract? Divine mercy. <laughs> Give me that magnet. Oh, you've got it. Everybody's got it. What is it? Masjid. Now look how interesting the analogy. The magnet, it attracts something from a distance. You understand? It's pulling something from a distance. Why did Imam Munawi said masjids are like that? Because even from a distance they are attracting. Because you're looking, you're not even in there. Allah Ta'ala is honoring you. Right? So think, now we're in the masjid. Imagine, somebody might be driving passing, MashaAllah, MashaAllah. He's been honored. Imagine you said to him, I'm in the masjid. What do you think Allah Ta'ala is going to do? Think about that. That's why shaitan attacks the, the masjids. He will try his best to get you out of the masjid by nook and crook. Those letters all rush to clean, maintain, and look after as best we can the glorious houses of Almighty Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. To finish with this report, in Ibn Abi Dunya, in his Manamat, number 239 or 1-115, Hafiz Ibn Qayyim, in his Al-Wabil Al-Sayyib, page 227-228 of the New English Translation, Abdul Aziz Ibn Abu Rawad, he said, a man was out in the desert who very intelligently built for himself a simple makeshift masjid where he placed seven stones towards its front. So picture this, he's in the desert, maybe a Bedouin, time for Salat. So instead of just praying, he thought, I'm building a masjid. So imagine, you know, like we build sandcastles in it. We catch on, right? You know, he's doing something useful. So he's built a makeshift masjid and he put seven stones, you know, maybe in the direction of the Qibla. Then when he finished his salat, he said to the stones, O stones, I make you a witness to La ilaha illallah. Sometime later, the man became seriously ill. And shortly thereafter, his soul ascended, i.e. passed. The report says that one of his colleagues, he goes, I saw in my sleep, sorry, the man, to correct, he's very ill. He's not passed away. 
during that state of severe illness, he said, I had a dream. So he's thinking he's going to die. And he goes, in my dream, I was ordered to go to the hellfire. So imagine he's thinking, oh my God. Then all of a sudden, I saw one of those stones, which I realized had grown to such a huge size, come before me until it blocked the doorway for me to enter the hell. I was then called from another door. He goes, come through this gate of hell. Again, another of the seven stones came. I recognized, again, grew huge. It did the same thing. Until all seven stones blocked all the seven doors of the hellfire. Meaning, there's nowhere else for you to go. Go to paradise. So let's look at this. So, is this a hadith? No, it's not a hadith. Imam Ibn Abi Dunya, Abu Bakr Ibn Abi Dunya, he relates it in his manamat. This is in regards to dreams. Hafiz Ibn Kayyim, he recorded it in his famous work, Al-Wabil Al-Sayyib. So, they were happy with this report. Now this man, now think about this. Was he a, was he a pious man? He couldn't have been, because he was in trouble. But was he a foolish man? No, he wasn't. He knew there's something special about masjids. He knew that much. And very intelligently, he spoke to the pebbles. And what did he say? I want you to bear witness. That I bear witness. La ilaha illallah. Imagine you see a man doing that. I think you're off your bloody rocket, man. Just play against go. We're in the middle of a desert. That is what saved him. So note, even in that makeshift masjid, the humble stones he had placed within came to his rescue. Thus, what of the one who regularly contributes towards the expenditure of the fixed, sturdy masjids in any given locality? What then within them would testify in favor of its attendees? This, who else prayed there? Imagine. Only probably jinn. If they were going past. He said, that's it. It's makeshift. Allah Ta'ala didn't say, oh, come on. Do you think I'm going to accept that as a masjid? Not only he accepted it, he saved him from the fire. And that was a makeshift masjid. He honored the makeshift masjid somehow. Allah Ta'ala gave him honor. Then what about the regular, sturdy, fixed masjids? And there's a hadith which I can remember from memory. The hadith is in Abu Dawood. And the report says from the Prophet that if you take a pebble out of the masjid, it grieves. He goes, O servant of Allah, where are you taking me? Mawlana Ashraf Ali Thani, he said, pebbles have got greater love for masjids than us. Imagine, pebble. What's a pebble doing in a masjid? Obviously, in the good old days, there was no carpets. You took a pebble out of the masjid, the pebble's crying, where are you taking me? You're taking me out of the masjid. Now, imagine it. Can't wait to leg it. Imam Malik Rahmatullah said, a hypocrite in the masjid is like a caged bird. That's a very interesting analogy. Why? Because when you got a caged bird, it's singing to you. You know, it's tweet, tweet, tweet. Oh, I like you, innit? Open the latch. Why should I open the latch? No, it's singing to you. Just open that latch. Soon as you open latch, smoke and wings, that's all you see. Well, was it really singing? Right? Because that's a monarchic in the masjid. He's tweeting away. You know, he's not really anywhere in his worship. He can't wait again. Ah, open the door. 
Compare that to the pebble. Imagine a fire extinguisher probably doing mashallah in masjid. Right? Think about it. There's things in the masjid that you probably don't even think how lucky the fortune they feel they are. So when you come into the masjid, this is the magna of divine mercy. And obviously worship Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, but also serve the masjid to get these incredible virtues. So what I mentioned today was I spoke a little about, again, the glorious deed of wudu. And then wudu at home is the most appropriate place. Get into a habit of doing wudu at home. Obviously, there's no sin in doing it, but you lose these virtues. Then, of course, I mentioned something about the masjids, which we regularly attend, but we fail to sometimes register. Are there any questions you'll ask? سبحان بحمده سبحانك اللهم وبحمدك اشهد ان لا اله الا انت استغفرك واتوب اليك وفي بالله من الشيطان الرجيم سبحان ربك رب العزه عما يصفون والسلام على المرسلين الحمد لله رب العالمين بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم والاصل الانسان في خسر الذين امنوا وعملوا الصالحات واصبحوا الحق واصبحوا الصابرين